Hey everyone, I'm Joe, the host of The Commentarians. And I'm Katie, Joe's wife. And we're here to talk over your movies. Uh, hi everyone, welcome to The Commentarians. Is this Prairie Home Companion? Husband Bulge is now a part of my permanent vocabulary. <laughs> I saw a squirrel. I am going to point out real quick, this to me is like the most disturbing scene in the entire movie. Stop listening right now and go watch Firefly. Hey, this is my podcast. I'm sorry, sorry, Joe. <laughs> we are saying that not only have we been wounded, we survive, and there's a God who heals of these wounds. Jesus isn't about the isms. Uh, he's about his kingdom. Because it is kind of like this idea that Jesus died for all of our sins, except when you had sex. And Jesus doesn't cover that. Alright, welcome everybody to uh, The Commentarians, uh, a podcast in which we watch a movie and we talk while we're watching, and as you heard, I have my wife Katie here. It's very exciting, thanks for having me. No problem, we did uh, Brooklyn last time, and this time we're going to be doing a documentary. Uh, We do documentaries sometimes, sometimes it's very difficult because it's a lot of, it's just information you have to hear, but I think that it's good to talk less about to talk less about what's going on on screen and just talk over it because the topic is really important right and so uh this month we're doing uh betting on zero a documentary about multi-level marketing specifically this one is on uh herbal life and we're going to talk about what it's what it's about and uh what herbal life is and why there's a lot of criticism to it and uh what I'm having trouble explaining is what uh, shorting a stock is, <laughs> but because that's involved. Right. But I think it's less about that than about what multi-level marketing is, right? Right, right. Yeah, I think the, the shorting uh, came about as a result of all the things that the MLM structure uh, is, I guess. Yeah. It's it's indicative of the, the harm that the MLM structure brings. And so uh, we don't need to get too much into the technical details, I guess. Yeah. And so we're going to start the movie. Uh, you know, as I said before, as I said in the coming uh, coming attractions, it's not available anywhere for free. Uh, it's a You can rent it for $2 on Amazon or anywhere else. But uh, again, you don't have to be watching the movie in order for this to make sense because we're just going to have a general discussion about the topic. So uh, if you're watching... Uh, we're uh, paused at zeros, so uh, if you're here to join us, we're going to do a countdown, and then three, two, one, then press play. Then you press play. If not, then just uh, wait a second. We'll start the movie, and we'll start the discussion. So let's get started. Uh, we're at all well, we're at one second, uh, but it doesn't really matter. So uh, three, two, one, play. Okay, we got squiggly lines coming into film buff. Uh, a power, a gunpowder, uh, something, Baltimore Film Presents. Okay, you should be uh, with us if you're watching, if not. So, multi-level marketing. Uh, what is your experience, your personal experience with multi-level Ooh. marketing? Gosh, I think my very first memory of multi-level marketing, uh, without realizing that that's what it was, uh, was my mom uh, she d- didn't uh, get involved in uh, MLMs, but she definitely hosted Tupperware parties for friends who did Tupperware. Ah. Um, I remember holding up, you know, in the 
bedroom with my dad and my brother and we would have pizza <laughs> and watch a movie and uh, all the ladies would be in the living room doing the Tupperware thing. Yeah. Mine is what most people's experiences are. Uh, an old friend shows up maybe at work. You know, maybe they, they message you on Facebook and they say, hey, how's it going? I'm like, hey, uh, it's yeah, going so exciting fine. to hear from an old contact. Yeah, so how's it going? Oh, I'm doing great. I'm just started my own business, and uh, I'm like, oh, wow, good that, for you, yeah, that's yeah. wonderful. Hey, hey, what are you doing? Oh, I work at a supermarket. Like, oh, well, you're still <laughs> doing that, huh? Well, listen, I have an opportunity for you, and then the pitch comes. They really don't care about how you're doing. They're not, not really catching all. up. They're just trying to get you on board this multi-level marketing thing, which we'll explain more as we go along. Right. But that's my experience. One, a coworker of mine actually joined, and he said it would really help me out a lot. It'll help me get higher in this if you come to one of the meetings. And I went, and I literally was not interested in joining. I just thought, okay, I'll uh, you know I'll go and I'll you know look at the presentation, and. The more it went on, the weirder, creepier, and like worried I became for my friend. Because it became real clear, real fast what it was. So, and I'm sure you've had that kind of... Oh, yeah. And it's gotten so much worse with social media, you know, because you, you hear uh, someone drops into your DMs, you know, some high school contact or someone you haven't talked to in so long. And, uh, you know, I listen to a lot of um, uh, cults and anti-MLM uh, anti and other uh, type podcasts, and there's a common uh, joke um, that they... Uh, uh, they talk about the Huns because these, uh, you know, uh, MLMs largely target women and a lot of the MLM uh, women uh, come into your DMs with, hey, hun, <laughs> hey, hun, I was just thinking about you. I think this product would be great, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so, yeah, in my more recent years, obviously, I've encountered so many uh, people peddling MLMs of any kind. Essential oils, um, shakes, uh, fitness stuff, um, makeup, you know, at LuLaRoe, the big one, you know, that was the yeah. most recent documentary that came out, Lula Rich, um, all about that MLM. So, yeah, I've had friends that have done a, a myriad of them. And, uh, yeah, you kind of get into this position of you, you're not interested or, I don't know, maybe I'd buy a pair of leggings. I want to help my friend. I want to be nice. I want to be supportive. But I don't want to, I don't want what you, what this company has to offer, you know? And right. so it's really a hard balancing act. And so we should uh, explain what a multi-level marketing is. And I should say... We're not experts at cults or MLMs, and I guess we should say, I don't know, all of this is alleged. I don't yeah. know what the legal balance is to say, <laughs> yeah. that company is a scam, and, you know, I don't, this is yeah. all alleged. This is all largely anecdotal, and yeah. uh, and and based on, um, I, I, I have learned a lot from the, the anti-MLM podcasts and reading that I've done, and, uh, you know, I don't think that we'll be... Uh, you know, saying anything that yeah, uh, saying anything defamatory. It's all facts. We'll be speaking from our experiences and what we know. Yeah. So, so what a basically a multi-level marketing is is a person 
uh, or a company that uh, tries to recruit people to sell their products. So, right. for example, uh, Tupperware, mm-hmm. that's a legitimate one, right? From what I... Uh, yeah, I don't know if we want to tread on terms like legitimate okay. for any of these yeah. just because we don't know. Right. Well... It's, it's legal. I mean, legal. it's legal. Right. So it's legal. So here's <laughs> what that is. is a, a person says, hey, listen, I sell Tupperware, and if you want to come to my Tupperware party, you can come and, you know, buy Tupperware. And that person is running basically a business. They sell, they make money by selling Tupperware. Right. And if you want to sell Tupperware, then you they can sign you up, and then now you're selling Tupperware. Right. And that person can recruit other people to sell Tupperware, and now we have a lot of people selling Tupperware, right? Like, almost like fr- opening franchises to a business. Right. That's, you know, a that's legally what a company is. Now, when it becomes illegal is, uh, this is according to the law, from what I understand, is when you are, um, when you're, the money comes less from what you sell and more from, uh, from how many people you recruit. Yeah. So if I'm recruited by somebody, they're going to say, hey, listen, so you can sell these shakes or these powders or these essential oils, uh, but... If you recruit three people, then that's when the real money starts coming in because, you know, and then if each of those people, each of them have three people under them, then you make even more money. And if those people, those now, what is it? Three, three, six, nine. If those nine people each get three under them, (laughs) then boy, you who are at the top of this, I don't even know Hmm. what they call it because it's kind of shaped like. I don't know, like a pyramid? Well, a, a triangle. Okay. I mean, <laughs> let's, let's not, yeah. But it's it, it becomes like a pyramid, you know, and then you, because you're one of the three, mm-hmm. one of three yourself, mm-hmm. and then you're, one person is above them. And so, and so the idea is, is that if you're selling a product, you're making money by selling it. But the problem with all of these companies is that they they don't tell you you make more money if you recruit people and it it they make money different ways either you just pay a fee every month or you buy a product yourself that you have to sell mm-hmm. and the more you recruit people to buy product the more money you're supposed to be making and then that's how essentially and the problem with this there's a lot of problems with this oh there's a lot of problems with this in that um, it can only go so far. You can only recruit so many people before it gets unre- un, you know, unrealistic, right? Right. Yeah, I think they say it's like 14 layers of recruiting and you've uh, run out of the population of the Earth. The Earth. <laughs> and that includes um, infants and people in you know, developing countries, etc. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, it's important to know, too, how we got here because it's, you know, we, MLM is so pervasive. Everyone at least knows of one, if, right. it not, if not at least interacted with one, um, probably multiple. And, you know, it started by, they call it the, the, the less um, uh, harsh term, the term that the industry itself uses is Direct selling. Direct selling, right. And that's what Tupperware started as and so many other older ones is they basically cut out the brick and mortar store and they just said, hey, how about uh, you go door to door and we'll provide the product, you do the selling and that's how we'll do it. And then like you said, the 
it started to become this thing where they recruited others and then they got, they called it bonuses, kind of like a commission on the people that they recruited and or on the product that those people sold. And it started to get a little out of hand and a little wild. And uh, there was actually a large case 20, 30 years ago, more than that. (laughs) I lose track by the time I hit the 20s here. Um, So maybe like 30 or 40 years ago uh, between Amway and the U.S. And um, they were, you know, trying to say basically you're you're a pyramid scheme this is you know just shy of a ponzi scheme where uh you know there's there's too much money just flowing up this pyramid to the top based on how many people these other people have recruited and it's really interesting case but basically amway kind of wrote some policies about their company that made it sound like well we're we're being le- we're being careful we're being legitimate you know there's product changing hands and things like this and and somehow got out from under the the legal case and that became the precedent and all these other MLMs now use some version of that policy that they wrote and say oh we operate kind of like Amway and we're right. following these policies therefore we're not doing anything illegal. And it was a really weird, it wasn't like the U.S. imposed some rules and Amway rose to meet them. Amway just kind of set some standards themselves and said, we're, yeah. we, we wrote rules and we're following them, therefore. It's very strange. So, so now that's how all these MLMs get by is by kind of just writing some policies that mirror those right and uh and yeah they can just grow and grow and so where it becomes uh, i think i maybe already said this where it becomes illegal is you're supposed to make money by selling product right but in uh in these not legitimate and uh, you know i'm just saying that there are legitimate and not legitimate i'm not saying which or which i i don't know i don't whatever <laughs> uh the ones that aren't legitimate you make money by recruiting people not by selling Right. You can say they could say, yeah, great, you're selling a lot of product, great, but you need to recruit people, yeah. and then those people they need to recruit more right. people, right. and that's when it becomes more uh, illegal right. and more dangerous. Yeah. Because, like I said, at 13 levels, like if I'm level two, you know, by the 13th level, that's mathematically that's mm-hmm. more people than the population of the US, like you said, and so it's not, you know, it's not sustainable. On top of the fact, and this is something that we saw from the LuLaRoe documentary, is that there can only be so many stores in a certain place. Right. So if I'm selling, you know, I don't know, let's say I sell, you know, I like cats, hats. Let's say I'm a cat seller and I recruit people to sell hats, you know, along with me. And then they recruit people. Well, now we have 40 people in a neighborhood selling hats. Not that number one, there's not that many people buying hats, and you know, there now there's too many people selling them for the market, and so that becomes a problem when it comes to this kind of multi level marketing is that there's way too many people in one location selling product, you know, and so that's where it really becomes kind of unsustainable. We actually saw a documentary, uh, not a documentary, an actual show called On Becoming a Goddess in Central Florida. That it was kind of like this. A character, you know, became, her husband sold, you know, was in an MLM. Then he passed away. So then she tried to make money using the whole system. And a a character tried to recruit people at his church. 
Mm-hmm. And he and somebody said nobody was interested. And they said, not everybody can be a millionaire. Right. Like literally, you have to be a seller. You have to know how to sell product, encourage people to buy it, convince people to buy it. And not everybody can do that. And the problem is, is that especially when it comes to people uh, like immigrants, and it happens a lot in Christianity, unfortunately, it's the idea of the American dream. That you can own your own business and you can become rich if you work hard enough. And it's just not, like, it, it just hasn't really happened for anybody. Yeah. <laughs> the, and that's the kind of the sad thing is that they make all these promises and very few people actually. Right. Well, they say that basically the, the people, your only shot at doing well in an MLM is to get in early. Uh, and that's it's interesting uh, because they do spring up quite regularly and I could go on about that. But, but the point being that, yeah, you start out early and no one's heard of this product and it's new and it's exciting and it's shiny. And so that makes those few people in the beginning, they have an easy recruitment, right? Because they're getting people on board this new shiny thing and people want to join and they join out of them. Well, now those people, you know, the market is still fresh. They can recruit people too. And so the top of the pyramid becomes, you know, layers underneath them very quickly right in the beginning. And the more layers down you go, the more the money starts flowing up. But when you, you know, recruit enough and it's been operating for a year or two, a lot of them have what they call income disclosure statements. And it'll show that like, the the bulk it'll show the average earnings per year for um you know a uh, uh, retailer or whatever they call them but then when they show say the median the median is much lower and that inherently suggests that the income is heavy on one end of the spectrum it's the people who got in early they're making bank on everyone below them and the people at the bottom are just grinding and grinding to try and sell product or recruit people and now the market's saturated and there's no one for them to go to yeah and and then but now they know how these things operate and then some new shiny you know mlm comes along and says this is get in on the ground floor. This is brand new. Then people jump ship. They join another MLM, which is not great, but right. with the hope, like you said, of the American dream, the maybe this one will be my payoff. Maybe this will be the one where I can be at the top of the pyramid. <laughs> Although right. people often don't realize that they're trying to get to the top of a pyramid. Yeah. And so, okay. So talking about the documentary, they're kind of explaining everything. Uh, this is about Herbalife and they sell, uh, what is it? Health products, right? Yeah, like, shakes and nutrients and powders and, and yeah, yeah, and bars and nutritional bars and stuff. What was funny is the one that I was invited to. The guy that the friend of mine, because he was a friend, the one that I invited me to. I don't. They didn't sell anything. It was just a monthly fee to be a part of this system, and they said they were a financial wellness company. So. This whole time, they're trying to tell you, you you pay $72 a month, right? Every month, you pay $72. And then, if you recruit three people, they pay $72, and you're already making money. You're going to make, you know, a certain amount. You you have to pay less then. And then, if they recruit people, then you start getting your bonus. without the product, it really does sound like a Ponzi scheme. Exactly. And so, then... 
when I, you know, when they started finally at the end, he's like, oh, uh, what do I, oh, we, we're a financial wellness. We get people out of debt. We get them paying their bills and stuff. And I host barbecues every weekend. And I have people coming, like I, I have clients coming over and they say, you saved my life. Now I'm buying a house because you helped me get out of debt. And that's what we do here. And I, the entire presentation, I had no idea when I was going to help a person get out of debt. Because that's what they did. Right. And so I'm like, do we work in an office? Do we call creditors? <laughs> do we put people like, when does this... And it wasn't. And hearing my friend talk about it was really harsh because he said... Well, yeah, it's a pyramid scheme, sure. But and we, I worked in a supermarket. But what's this? This is a pyramid scheme. Mm. The 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 owner of the company, he's at the top. Then people below him, they make less money. They they work hard to make him more money. And then the people <laughs> below them, and then we're at the bottom. We're working hard to make the store director more money, and he's working hard to make the district manager more money. And so this is a pyramid scheme, <laughs> but you're not going anywhere because you're not going to get a raise every, you know, the harder you work. It's funny that he gave you that argument. It's so common in all the MLMs. Yeah. LuLaRoe used that argument. Oh, you know, corporations are structured like a pyramid. Yeah, okay, but if you work in a supermarket, yeah. you're not you're yeah. not pressured to recruit more people to yeah. work with you I'm in not, the supermarket. I'm not paying my boss for the pleasure of going to work. He's right. paying me. So that I can go. If he doesn't pay me, I'm not going. Not to mention, you make a guaranteed wage. If you're there for an hour, you make that amount of money. Two hours, twice that, etc., etc. Not yeah. to mention all the labor laws that protect you. You're paying oh. into unemployment and disability. None of that applies to an MLM. They right. call you an independent retailer or an independent... You're not even an independent contractor necessarily. Wow. You're your own business entity... And you have no protections that labor law provides. Right. And so, again, you're essentially working, but you're not guaranteed a check at all. Right. And so you're putting money into it. You're working, yet they don't have to pay you at all. And in the case of uh, MLMs where there is product, such as Herbalife here... It, it, you are encouraged to buy inventory that you can sell and they encourage you you're going to do better the more you have the more appealing it'll be to the people that you're selling to have everything on hand be ready to give samples etc and so people are not just not guaranteed to make money they are also pouring their own money into this and going into debt and so you could actually come out rather than not making anything you could come out behind yeah you could come out having lost money and so now in the documentary, they're pointing out the fact that a lot of these MLMs, and this is the truly, like, I'm going to say evil, disgusting part of a lot of these companies, is they're, they're going after immigrants, people who are newly into this country, who came here to find a job, to work hard, to make, to, to be a part of the American dream. And when they're told you're this is an opportunity for you to start your own business it's super easy i mean i know that you have to buy a, a store you have to get licenses you have to find a product we provide all of that we provide the product and you can sell it from your house right and if you work hard like me <laughs> i'm i make a lot of money and this is what the people tell them right 
we make a lot of money. And now look at the, you know, I'm buying a new car and if you, that can happen for you too. And these people who, you know, who really worked hard to just, you know, work, you know, paycheck to paycheck, trying to make, make an opportunity for their kids. They buy into this because they thought like, you know, they, they were promised something. Yeah. And that, and these people who barely make a living are now losing tons of money into what is essentially a scheme a you know and it's just the most like you're 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 going after the most vulnerable people absolutely and in the case of what we're watching right now is that she's rounding up a lot of people who've been targeted about this but they wouldn't a lot, so many people won't try to bring a case or try to get justice because in the case in this case so many weren't here documented and they couldn't come and bring legal recourse. So, right. you know, they're trying to get a class action and get some, you know, protect them while they do it. But absolutely, they are targeting the vulnerable of the vulnerable people who have no recourse back against this company for what they've done. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's hard to it's really hard to touch uh, an MLM legally anyways, because they have so much money and yeah. they force you into arbitration other things like that but i mean add to that that you know targeting vulnerable populations like this and it's absolutely despicable yeah and the reason why i thought this would be a good you know topic to discuss a good movie to discuss is because it also exists within in within churches oh yeah a lot of christians are a part of mlms uh i think in the uh, the lula row is mormon yeah. They were part they they were within the Mormon church so they recruited a lot of Mormons and when you add this prideful wonderful opportunity this great thing and then we're doing it for God God is blessing me with this thing it becomes that much more enticing. Yeah. for and people. There's you know? actually a term for it uh it's called affinity fraud. And uh, that's one reason, you know, Herbalife got a foothold in with the immigrant population is because if you are trying to sell product and you have a close relationship with your neighbors, you know, and you speak the same language and you all feel, you know, you know, together in something, well, I trust my friend and she's selling this product so okay i'll buy your and, and you want me to sell for you too and you're doing well okay i'll join you recruit me okay and same thing within the church you know you trust you know most christians trust each other because you should be living by god's word and you know <laughs> intending good for people so okay you're selling this product i want to support you you're trying to recruit me cool that sounds good and it just kind of builds on itself and uh, it really is dangerous uh, because you almost need a healthy dose of, dose of skepticism just to yeah. get through this world without getting roped into something like this, which is a shame. Yeah. And so and so that becomes a kind of really, I don't know. It, and again, and that what happened at the, at the one that I went to is that at some point the guy's like, okay, so what am I doing this for? I'm doing, well, first of all, I'm doing it for God. Because all things are done, you know, for the grace and glory of God. Number two, I'm doing it for my family. And I, and again, 
if you're a Christian, if you're, you know, if you're an American, if you love your country, like they use everything they can to make you think this is something that I want to, that is actually good for my faith, for our community, you know, short of being sanctioned by the Bible. Yeah. It's a good thing. Yeah. And so, yeah. And it becomes really, really, and again, it, it. we're watching and they're like on uh, on Mad Money on CNBC, a guy who talks about stocks and stuff. And a guy, the executive from uh, Herbalife is on there. I mean, they make a lot of money and they're about to go public, which makes them even more money. And I guess the documentary is about a guy who's trying to uh, short their stock mm-hmm. by... Uh, and I, I, I know what shorting is. I just have a really hard time explaining it. Because the stock market and all that is so complicated. I can't, you know, I could barely... But essentially, you're you're buying stock that you're not owning. You know? And so if it loses money, you make the money that the stock lost. Essentially. If, if, does that... <laughs> I always have to, like, write it down on paper with the arrows. But essentially, you're assuming that this stock is eventually going to tank. Right. And... In doing so, you're going to make money by, you know, sell, you know, anyways. Yeah. It's almost like you're letting somebody borrow money to buy a stock. And, but it's not really, you're not really doing that. You're giving somebody money. And then if the stock tanks, then they owe you back that money plus the money that the stock lost. It's really, yeah, it's really weird. <laughs> That's less important in the documentary. The important part is that he assumes that Herbalife is going to tank. Right. And, well, and more than that, uh, Bill Ackman, that's the name of the guy, he wants to destroy Herbalife. Right. He sees it as an evil company that's costing a lot of people a lot of money. And so he's, he, and if you short a stock, you're actually hurting the stock. You know, if you saw like a while ago, what happened? Because it brings to you? about speculation. People are starting to wonder. You know, right? Is this is this not good? Should I get out now? And right. so, yeah, it will affect the actual value of the stock. And yeah, and actually, a while ago, the GameStop thing, that whole thing, right. was it, there were people who literally destroy companies to make money off of them. They short a small fledgling company. And what a bunch of people did was they actually poured a ton of money into GameStop to make the stock go up, which made them all lose a lot of money. And so, again, stock market is crazy. I don't get it. I'm but, so glad I didn't study finance. Yeah. It's, I, <laughs> it's uh, wild. Yeah. I like It's like the, the movie... Uh, <laughs> um, the Big uh, Short. The Big Short. Like, you're watching it, and you're like, how is that a thing? Right. Like... I understand the stock market. If a company makes a lot of money and I invested in it, then I make a lot of money. End of story. Exactly. Yeah, end of story. (laughs) But no, it's like, oh, you're betting on this and you're shorting this and there's, uh, you know, there's there's, futures futures and and all this stuff. And I have no idea how that's even possible. (laughs) Why even? uh, Anyway, so I don't know anything about the stock market. This guy is trying to destroy them by. Uh, because they're a public company and he's trying to short them so that, you know, they stop hurting people. Right. Uh, so th- that's essentially what this movie is about, is following this guy, and so it's great. Uh, but, yeah, I wanted to talk about, and also, again, we're not experts at cults either, but personal experience and what we've seen, this becomes really cult-like. Yeah. Because, especially with my f- with people that I've seen, if they tell you, people are jealous of you. 
if you're going to make a lot of money, they're going to try to stop you from, you know, from being rich. So if anybody tells you to stop or to get out, cut them out of your life. Mm -hmm. Don't let, because they are going to hurt your chances at becoming rich. And you, and then again, they use all these great buzzwords. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, what what do they call jobs? J-O-B. J-O-B. Just just above just over broke just over broke yeah right which is a great you know it, I, i'm jealous of how <laughs> clever that is but because yeah if you're like just some working stiff i'm like yeah yeah that's exactly what jobs are and you know that's but yeah and so but, this just, yeah they pour this rhetoric from the top and and pour it down and make people I, the the language that they use is so convincing and so uh, reels you in uh, so that you start to, you know, just buy everything that they say. And, yeah, I'm so glad I quit my J-O-B. And you feel like you're doing something. And in reality, you might be going into debt. But the, the language that they use, the activities, you know, so many of these MLMs have con- conventions or conferences every year yeah. and you fly in and the hype is big and there's ampy music and flashing lights and some very top person comes on stage and you all know that that person just makes bank and they're like, I'm so glad that I'm here today and that such and such MLM lifted me up from the position I was in. And and they know. all used to have the job, right? Right. They all used to <laughs> exactly. until I did this, right? <laughs> I was slaving away in a cubicle wondering what I was doing with my life. And then I started selling for such and such. And, you know, they use that very hype language and very dramatic. And the, and you're in the seat, you know, in the convention, go, nodding along. Yeah, yeah. And it's just very easy to believe because you're sitting next to 5,000 people who believe. Yeah. And you're all in it together. And it feels a lot better to to think that you're a part of something so big than to step back and go, oh, no, I've wasted a whole bunch of money and I don't know if I'm going to get it back. Yeah. and But the, the it's really the joy that they all have. And not just at those conventions, because that's even like, that's intoxicating. Sure. But just when you look at Instagram, mm-hmm. all the people who, the joy that they have. The fun that they're having when they come and talk to you, how like encouraging and you know, yay they are. Yeah. It's like, yeah, okay, me too, you know. And then they tell you that's how you sell. You sell by by being by showing people how amazing this product is yeah. and how much it's helped you. And you figure, okay, if that's how you sell, then I'm going to pretend to be happy and joyous and. You know, and uh, successful. And it really plays off of the entire concept about social media that we're all already aware of, where we're just seeing the good, just Mm. seeing the good. You're not seeing, you know, the the hard (laughs) parts of someone's life. You're seeing the Instagram filtered version and the MLMs really play off this. A lot of them are very do not post negative things. You know, always post positive. Uh, LuLaRoe had a um, uh, one of the items that they really uh, got in trouble for is that they had a hashtag because of LuLaRoe. So anything good in your life, 
you were supposed to hashtag because of LuLaRoe. You got a new car, you signed a mortgage, you uh, got your kids into private school, anything. You were supposed to say because of LuLaRoe. And uh, it really, you know, it was very drink the Kool-Aid. And of course, if everyone, they call them your downline, all the people you recruited, if all those people see their upline posting those things, they're going to think, I could have that. And also, I should amplify what I have so that other people, you know, like it's just this self-building situation where, yeah, you're all posting these positive things and it all looks so good. But of course, nobody's posting, I spent an extra $2,000 on inventory this month and nobody's buying it. You know, like no one's (laughs) posting that. Well, and it makes sense because they're telling you to sell, to get people on board. And if you say... Oh, hey, so how's it going with that? Meh. It's, I'm kind of selling good, but it's really not working out as great. as a, You're not going to recruit anybody that way. Yeah. You have to pretend like it's huge, you know? Yeah. And that's kind of, the, I, you know, the problem that uh, you have to pretend like it's all working out when it's not at mm-hmm. all. And, well, and that's like kind of like a history thing when... You know, the uh, the Feminine Mystique, which is a book about how women were having, like, anxiety attacks and, like, horrible depression because on television they saw Ozzy and Harriet, they saw uh, Courtship of uh, Eddie's Father, all these sitcoms with perfect families and perfect kids and perfect lives, and they thought... Is that how... They saw their TV as a window. Right. And they're like, is that what life is like? Because my life isn't like that. Mm-hmm. I better pretend like it is. Right. So everywhere you go, whoever you talk to, you say, oh, my life is great. I love my life. My husband, you know, he's happy. I cook him dinner every night. And your neighbor sees that and they say, oh, geez. I just see it on television and now, like, my neighbor's happy just like the people on television. I better pretend that things are great. And it... You know, only because you think that that's what's happening when the reality is nobody's really that great. And it's the same thing here. It's like, and you know, we talk about like the influencer thing. You know, influencers on 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 Instagram, they're not that pretty. They're not that happy. But it's about presentation. So you, as you're, you know, scrolling through your phone, you're like, oh, everybody's happy except for me. I better do something about that. And yeah, it, it. it really does this uh, weird job of brainwashing you, mm-hmm. you know, into believing that this is the only way I can make it, mm-hmm. you know. And any and again, they they tell you because you're surrounding yourself with only these people, right? And then the leader is telling you this is how you're going to be successful, and anybody. Who says that you're not going to be successful is your enemy. Right. And you better cut them out of your life. Mm-hmm. And of course, they're not saying that because they want you to succeed. They're telling you that because they want you to stay as long as possible yep. so that they can make more money. Right. So, and that's, again, that's, it becomes very much like a cult. Oh, yeah. In that. Yeah. The language, how they treat you. You know, high cost of exit. High cost of exit. A lot of these places, uh, one of the podcasts that I follow um, is called uh, Life After MLM with Roberta Blevins, who is seen in the Lula Rich documentary. And uh, she said that in the time that she was doing Lula Row, 
she her closest friends either she made friends with other people who were doing LuLaRoe or she recruited her friends her sister uh, started selling for LuLaRoe and some other people and so her bubble really was LuLaRoe consul consultants so when you get to that point and only she was only in for a year or two so but in that amount of time you can get really close with people and so if you get to a point where your closest bubble are all doing this thing and you decide you might need to stop, that is a high exit cost. Forget money, the cost of losing some, potentially losing friendships, especially if the top is saying people who don't support this, you know, business or whatever are your enemy and you need to cut them out. Well, now if you're saying... I don't support this business anymore and I'm leaving, ergo, all of my friends are gonna cut me out. Oh my God, that is a high exit cost and that is definitely a sign of a cult. Yeah, and interesting, what you just described is very similar to a lot of churches. It's true, a yeah. I mean, Yeah, especially, it's one thing to be involved and close to people because of business venture, but I mean, in a church, it's very, you mix spirituality in that. And, you know, you're close with someone, you pray with them, you they share your, your life. life. Yeah. yeah. To If you get to a point of needing to leave for whatever reasons, you're really, you're not just losing friendships. You're losing like a lifeline, a life support, yeah. you know, it's and, community. Right. And that's not to say that... A church, all churches are cults. No. I, I hope I, I, uh, what I'm saying. I certainly hope we didn't yeah, come across that because way. we belong to a church. We love a church. Mm -hmm. I my Christianity changed my life, saved my life. Everything, yeah, everything good in my life is because of Christianity. <laughs> Hashtag, Hashtag because, of, because Christianity. of Christianity. So yes, but what I'm saying is that it becomes very easy yes. for toxic people to take advantage of you in a church setting right. because if if your pastor is great and wonderful and actually following God's plan, great. But if we have a narcissist, if we have a person who believes that they are should be the center of the church and they tell you, you know, anybody who leaves is your enemy. Mm -hmm. Everybody outside of here is bad. Mm -hmm. Everyone outside of here is trying to destroy you. Right. You know, and again, that's, and we've talked about this Persecution. before. Persecution. Persecution, the gay agenda, feminism, liberalism. It becomes this really dangerous kind of idea that anybody outside of this is your enemy and therefore you should stay away from them. Now you're closing yourself off from, in Christianity, you're closing yourself off from people you should be reaching out to. Right. It makes it harder for you to understand other people, thereby being able to talk to them. Mm -hmm. And that breeds fear and hatred, which is really easy to fall into and really dangerous and, you know, a sin and is literally a sin to hate anybody, mm -hmm. especially those who you should be trying to reach. And so, and again, the... I, we bring this up because we've been watching, we've been listening to the rise and fall of Mars Hill, which many, many young people are listening to. And it's almost very similar in as a cult in that situation, because this man 
decided he's the center of it's all about me. Mm-hmm. And anybody and anybody who went against him got fired and nobody was allowed to talk to them. Right. You know, and he and just the language that he used, the way he treated people, that became very cult like. Mm-hmm. And, and it becomes very easy for that to happen in a church because that person isn't just some dude. He's God's, you know, mouthpiece. And if that person is telling me that, you know, uh, the, the gay pe- gays are trying to destroy America, I don't know. It seems like the way he put it in the sermon seems really accurate, you know, depending on what you're watching. And if you're not seeing the whole story or you, you don't know gay people or, you know, it becomes or really hard. Or you just hard. don't have any outside influence. Right. And so, again, and <laughs> so it... It becomes really easy for a church. And what's really funny uh, from the podcast that you've been listening to and the things that you're telling me about your past experiences is how easy it is for a person to do cult-like things without even knowing. Like, they're not purposely saying things that cult people say. They're not, like, looking up their the cult, you know, how-to cult right. books. And say, oh, this is how I'm going to recruit people or manipulate people. It's just something that people fall into by accident. Right. You know, because they become so full of themselves. Right. And I run this church and only I can make it succeed. Yeah. And so I'm going to treat people this way because that's the way they should be treated or... It's a learned activity, a learned behavior you know, uh, we talk a lot about, uh, interestingly, if anyone can hear him snoring or snuffling, our dog is actually in the living room. But, you know, he picks up on things and actually, in a sense, gets trained by the things that happen over and over that bring him what he wants in life. Generally, it's food. Sometimes it's yeah. rest to get inside. Just there's, he, has, with the humans, he has very yeah. basic wants. But if he does things, for example, if he paws at the door enough, we let him in. Now, is that a behavior that we should encourage? No, but we don't want to listen to him paw at the door. So we let him in. And he eventually learns that pawing at the door gets him inside. Well, so too with a narcissist or somebody, you know, it could be a pastor. It could be somebody who starts an MLM. Anything if they want a certain outcome and they treat people a certain way and the those people then bring them what they want well that's going to be a learned behavior they're going to keep yeah. doing that thing and yeah like you said it's not like they have a handbook and they're going ah do x choose do y and voila you have a cult rather they're simply like i want money or i want power or i want whatever and when i you know, treat people this way, they do this. And so that will bring about what they're looking for. Yeah. And so uh, it becomes, so, uh, yeah, uh, the whole cult thing is really, really interesting in that, oh man, I'm trying to uh, figure my way, what I wanted to say next. I completely lost it, which happens when you're just recording live and, uh, at a, but, it's um, the way you treat people, and I don't, I don't know, I lost it. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, we've been watching, we've been listening to the rise and fall of Mars Hill, 
It's really, really good. And we've actually seen some of this stuff happen in our own lives. Mm -hmm. And just with people that we know at churches that we know, we're like, huh, that's really interesting that that, that they said that. I don't know if I totally agree with it. And, or, you know, people, they tell you to cut people out of your life when they leave. And it's just this really weird thing that a person just says, I'm the only one who can make this succeed, you know? And they make you do this stuff in order for, I don't know, to, to grow their church. And it stops becoming, I, I don't know how they can get that. And you know, a lot of people criticize Christianity for what Christians have done. Christian leaders covering up, you know, abuse in their churches and I don't see that as a Christian problem. It absolutely is a Christian problem and in the church, but that's a human problem. That happens in all industries, you know? And, but the fact that it happens in all industries doesn't make it an, you know, doesn't excuse it. It is generally just a problem that happens, you know, that we should take care of in our own churches. Yeah, well, I think that um, there's, there's an inherent situation that brings about any group and it can go multiple directions, but that's just humans need for community, right? Yeah. Humans need community. And especially in the Christian faith, we believe that having community worshiping together, um, you know, Paul says, do not give up meeting together. You know, it's important that we have our brothers and sisters that we, you know, iron sharpens iron, a cord of three strands is not easily broken, etc. It is important that we are together and it's always going to happen. People are always going to group together and that can bring about such good. You know, yeah. it the village, you know, helps raise the child. The village looks out and keeps, you know, danger outside, etc. Um, the church prays together, grows together, you know, hopefully does good in, in the greater community, etc. But... There's this, you know, chink in the armor where if somebody nefarious, you know, yeah. brings their agenda and is sufficiently cunning and convincing and uses the right language um, and offers the right promises and gets the gets the right audience before them who will say, yes, that is a thing that I want to be a part of. I want to join with other people who want this thing. And it's being led by somebody whose concerns are not of the community, but yeah. of themselves. Yeah. And that's really the danger. Community is good, but there's an inherent danger depending on who is trying to lead that yeah. community. And the Bible tells us what works. Love, forgiveness, just doing good, right? That works. And Jesus said that it works. Love your enemies because love is better than hate. You know, if you hate your neighbor, well, everybody does that. What good is, but if you love your neighbor, that's really hard, but it works best. And if we see in history, Martin Luther King, he was much different than Malcolm X, who Malcolm X says, hey, if they, if they sick attack dogs on you, you have the right to kill those attack dogs because you have a right to vote. You're an American citizen, and so you have a right to kill those dogs, right? M Martin Luther King, on the other hand, said, love your neighbors, love your enemies, and love those who hate you. And when all those, you know, news videos, you know, showed 
peaceful protesters being beaten, being attacked, you know, having milkshakes and sandwiches poured over their heads when they're sitting peacefully at diners. People in other parts of the country were like, what the hell is that? What is going on down there in the South? That's insane. I didn't know it was that bad. And, but he continued to preach about love and forgiveness and unity, and that changed people's lives. That works. The Bible has, has said that, and it's been proven time and time again. The problem is, is that fear and hate and, uh, you know, that is really enticing. It really is attractive to, you know, say, hey, love your neighbor. And, you know, yeah, they might be mean to you. They might do things that you really don't like. But if you love them, you can actually bring change in the world. That sounds great. But, hey, they're trying to destroy you. We're right and they're wrong and we're going to win in the end. But they are trying to destroy you. That's much more for some reason, it's much more intoxicating. It's much more attractive. It's, it's a much easier to access emotion. Yeah, yeah. The, the emotion of fear or anger is much easier to access um, than, you know, this rising above and this calm, I'm going to love them anyways, you know, turn the other cheek. It, that's so much harder. And right. it's just easy to evoke something, especially in a crowd. Yeah. You know, oh, in a of, crowd, yeah. Yeah, just add people to that message of hate and it will just grow and grow. Yeah, and this is going to sound... Wait until I finish my point because it sounds like I'm going to say <laughs> yeah, something really always. bad. But Christianity makes no sense. It doesn't... It's it's dumb. Okay, well, I'm, hold on. Uh, because love your enemy... That makes no sense. Pray for those who persecute you. Makes no sense. Slow to anger. Peacefulness. Forgiveness. Grace for people who don't deserve it. That makes no sense if you're a human being. It sounds dumb if you're a human being. Because our human instinct is, oh, you hit me, I'm going to hit you right back. Oh, you hate me, I'm going to hate you right back. That is human. That's in uh, inside of us. It's boiling on, you know, it's survival of the fittest inside of our bodies. Our, because we live in a broken world. We have broken vessels. We're broken vessels. And God has come down to teach us how to do what's right. And as Paul said that, you know, uh, I do the things that I do not want. Mm -hmm. You know, it is, he, what he's talking about is our physical, our bodily instinct, our human instinct is to do the bad thing. Hate. Right. Hate is much easier. Like you said. It's a base instinct. It's base instinct. Yeah. And it makes sense. If somebody hates me, I'm not going to love them. That makes no <laughs> sense. But God, obviously, he is a God of love and grace and forgiveness. And he loved us in spite of what we've done. He died for us in spite of what we've done. He's asked us for nothing in return except to love him back. It makes no sense, but guess what? It's attracted so many people to him, yeah. you know? And at the end, that's actually what's going to win, you know? But when, you, that, when somebody stands on stage with so much confidence and so much power and says to you, those people are trying to destroy you, but this, is, this country is ours. This belongs to us. 
and we are going to win in the end, and God is on our side, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That plays to our human instinct. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. plays to our human emotion. Yeah. And it's not Christian. <laughs> it's not. But boy, is it, like, you know, wonderful. Yeah. And I actually kind of, and I'm sorry if I'm going on too long. Am I? Okay. But I saw it in the progressive Christian world where I used to have a podcast called Drinking at Bible Study where me, an evangelical Christian and a progressive Christian, would read the Bible and we'd talk about it, try to find common ground. And it was wonderful and people really liked it. And then there were other podcasts that were progressive and they were people who were ex-Christian who uh, they left the church and they found this more progressive kind of uh, (laughs) point of view. And they, at first, were very much, a lot of these were like, our families are Christian. We don't hate Christianity. We just found this better way because uh, the guy that was big in that was Rob Bell. He was all about love. His book was Love Wins. And it was very, you know, kind of a liberal view of Christianity. There's no such thing as hell. There's, you know, and so that was very enticing to a lot of, you know, young Christians. But then the more this you know, leaving the church became a thing, the more anger started building in this community, especially as Christianity became much more politicized, especially when, you know, people started supporting politicians that were much more angry and much more toxic. The more it became what seemed to a lot of people not the Christianity that they were raised with, they started turning on Christianity and started becoming much more angry as because again in progressive christianity like they're human beings and so anger and hatred started boiling more and more and more and those podcasts started gaining more and more po- in popularity because anger and hatred are just much more attractive and i think that that's kind of a thing that happens when you see something that's that you don't think makes sense that makes you angry. It's much more enticing to go towards that, to follow that path, than it is to just, no, forgive, love. And again, God doesn't fault you for being angry, you know, or for, you know, for stumbling, but he wants you to get back up and follow the right path. But it becomes that much, and it happens in Christianity, it happens in progressive Christianity, it happens everywhere, where anger and hatred just win out for a lot of people and it's really really easy to fall into that trap and not even know it right yeah absolutely and i mean bringing that all home to what we're talking about with the mlms you know because this is all kind of there's like the venn diagram you know yeah mlms cults religious cults churches you know you can kind of it depends. It's not it's not a circle. They're not yeah. all one, but there's some overlap in these cases. And so with the MLMs and we talked about, you know, the the language they're using and everything else, this um, you know, people who don't support your business, um, you know, they're the haters and you got to cut them out, you know. That's accessing that exactly uh, base instinct that you're talking about. It's fear-mongering. It's um, you know, they use that language to really get people insulated from the outside influences that might convince them, hey, what you're a part of isn't great. They're going to stop you from hearing those voices or entertaining them and just listen to the man on stage. Just listen to your upline. 
and uh, it's us versus them. It's a very us versus them mentality. Yeah. And again, it happens, and that's why you know I kind of wanted to do this, you know, because it is a lot of Christians fall into the MLM thing, mm-hmm. and a lot of churches become very toxic mm-hmm. in the same sort of ways. Right. In that, it's just when you get that us versus them, when you can actually point at an enemy and put a face to it, that's when you got something. Mm-hmm. You know, it's much more easy to point at a group than to say. You know, well, it's a general kind of, you know, (laughs) systematic kind of thing that is really, you know, it's much more complicated. The system's much more complicated, and there's a lot of levels to it, and you really got to, you know, work your way through it. No. That group, they're the problem. They're the reason why my life sucks. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. You know, forget the uh, spiritual warfare. Let's focus on the the princes and principalities of this world you know yeah. that group is making my life worse absolutely yeah so um yeah it's it's a very similar uh tactic yeah and and right here this is a great example you know oh not this one this is the great group this is the yeah, group who's good. uh you know protesting herbal life but oh it's later in this it's later in this documentary yeah, yeah. where the they bust the people in right that's what i was thinking of and so yeah and so it's just it's with these uh mlms they are kind of trying and when it's really harder like you said the cost of living leaving it's it becomes this really difficult thing when number 1 you're leaving but the people who you recruited are staying Mm-hmm. That, oh, yeah. oh, that's got to be the most difficult thing because you lost the faith in the thing that you were preaching. Right. You know? Right. And so now the people that they become, you know, the, the teacher. Right. You know, <laughs> the, the, the student has become the teacher yeah. in that sense. And that, it becomes this really difficult thing of do you, are the people who are still in, are they going to cut ties because, oh, you've become a hater, you've turned your back on the you know, whatever it is that we've all bought into, or are they going to keep the friendship and hold this thing in tension of this is still my friend, but they don't believe or support the thing that I'm very bought into. Right. And, you know, it's really good that there's so many people these days who are speaking out against MLMs who are saying, this is what happened while I was in leaving was very hard. These things happened and, but they continue to speak out. And those who, you know, they left behind in that MLM, hopefully some of them hear it and, and start to, you you know, they have an outside voice finally, you know, it's like, if you keep that connection, you now have an outside voice. Whereas the MLM had worked so hard to, you know, keep you from having any outside voices affecting your life. So, then you can start thinking through, like, wait a minute, do they have a point? Am I in something that's kind of dangerous or wrecking my life? Do I need to reconsider what I'm doing? And so, yeah, it's very important that that the people who have left continue to speak out about why, if they can. I mean, sometimes you just have to make a clean break. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, you got to do what's right for your life. But I really admire people like Roberta that I mentioned who started an MLM so she could talk to other survivors and um, educate people. Her heart is to educate people on what MLMs are, how to spot them. Because like we talked about, 
it is so easy to get involved in one without realizing that that's what it is. Yeah. Or why it's bad. A lot of people know what an MLM is and they're like, what? So my, you know, my aunt sells Mary Kay. She makes some money on the side. What's the big deal? But when you start to learn that, I don't know the exact stat, it's 99 point something percent. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty high. It doesn't matter what the point is. 99 point something percent of people make zero money or lose money in an MLM. That is worse than people who gamble. (laughs) Gambling has like a 3% win rate or something like that. You get a better chance. (laughs) Your chances are better by going to Vegas than to join an MLM. Like That is significant. And so people who don't tend to think anything of it, feel neutral toward it, you know, you could get roped in without realizing and go, what's the harm? And well, the harm is that 99 point something percent of people are losing money in this. Right. So. And on some level, because when we were watching the LuLaRoe thing, it seemed like this could actually work though. Because if you're selling a good product right. and you're selling it and uh, people are excited to sell it and all you're doing is I'm going to buy this in bulk for a cheap price and then sell it to people online, then that's a business. And uh, if another person joins the business, then great. If another one does, eventually it's going to saturate the market. So that might be a problem. But as long as we stay legitimate and we, you know, and we sell and we make money by selling this stuff, then we can make money off of this. We can all win. Mm -hmm. And we're not going to get rich off of it, you know, like they say, you know, because they they always say you're going to be the richest that you'll ever, you know, and I I can quit my job and, you know, buy a house and buy a boat and all that stuff. Really high, you know, (laughs) promises that they make. Uh, But if you're just like, hey, just sell to make a little money off on the side, then that might be... A decent thing that some people, you know, because again, not everybody can sell. Right. As much as, like, you know, if I were to have to sell things, go to a, you know, and sell a, a decent product, I'm not going to do very well because I can't talk to people, you know. I think you'd make so many jokes that people wouldn't know whether or not the product really was yeah. what it was. <laughs> yeah, that, that would be my problem is that I'd be trying to make people laugh more than, you know. <laughs> and then, like, my boss would be, what are you doing? Like, well, I'm selling myself yeah. so I could sell the product, huh? <laughs> and no, it just, I just, I'm so awkward that I have to make people laugh to, you know, and yeah, it just wouldn't sell. But at least that would be something make, that makes sense as opposed to, you know, hey, uh, get as many people as possible and you make more money the more people come in. Yeah. And again, it makes sense if all you're listening to are these people. Yeah. Which again, in a church, in any group, if all you're listening to are the people inside your group, mm-hmm. you're you're going to have a very distorted view yeah. on what you believe yeah. and on what is actually happening outside of this right. community. I can't. I keep trying to think of what episode of the Twilight Zone it was, but it's almost like you know the movie The Village, mm-hmm. where and I'm going to spoil The Village. So it's been a long time. <laughs> yeah, I hope people have seen it by now. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a it's a community that lives in like the 1800s, and they're inside this village, and there's a monster that comes and eats you if you wear red or something. I don't know, but <laughs> it turns out 
that, you know, it's actually happening in the present day. They're just this community that has insulated themselves in the woods away from the modern world, you know. And so, you know, if as long as you stay inside this community, you don't know that it's 19, you know, or 2002, whenever the movie came out. You know, you think it's 1865 or whatever. And if you're a Christian and you're inside these walls and you don't look outside, you know, it's like, uh, don't go out or else the monster will eat you. You know, oh, then I better stay locked inside. I'm scared because the evil is out there. They're going to get me. Yeah. You know? Well, is there an evil out there? Things aren't great. <laughs> but there's a lot of beauty out there. Yeah. There's a lot of wonder. I think it's really important to point that out. I actually mentioned earlier, I said, you know, that without outside influence, without hearing outside voices, etc. And I, I, I wanted to make sure it was clear that... You know, obviously it is important that we live by, uh, be in the world, not of it, right? Yeah. So by having outside voices, you're not necessarily going, hmm, you know, I doubt the Bible. Although doubt is fine. God is cool with you yeah. doubting as long as you do, you know, <laughs> dig in. Um, but, you know, it is important that we have outside voices, that we hear what's going on outside, because that is going to exercise our critical thinking. It's going to allow us to say, here's... The, what I believe and what I have believed and does it hold true in the face of these things that I'm seeing outside, these things that are raising questions, can I answer them with what I have been given from my faith? And that's really critical. And like you said, there's there's more to behold too other than, you know, questioning. There's beauty. I mean yeah. there's there's art and music and so much out there to bring fulfillment to your human life that we can't simply be insular and only see what's within the four walls of the church. Yeah, uh, because, uh, you know, growing up, I, you know, this is, you know, <laughs> weird because I grew up listening to punk rock music and heavy metal and people would say, oh, no, Judas Priest, they're Satanists. Like, what are you talking about, the Satanists? Judas Priest? <laughs> How is that not Satanic? You're like, well, it's named after a Bob Dylan song, you know, Billy Lee and Judas Priest. Like, nope, it's a Satanic thing. I'm like, what are you talking about? Uh, Iron Maiden, they're Satanic. You're like, what are you, Mark of the Beast? He's like, yeah, it's an anti-Satan song. It's the <laughs> Satan is Evil song. You're like, nope, nope, they have 666, Mark of the Beast. I'm like, it's a great song. I don't know, it's a great album. You know, have you heard Run to the Hills? Like, But again, they're locked away. And a big part of it is also like something like marijuana. Let's just because I think it's becoming more accepted. Right. But back in the day, marijuana was dangerous. It was a gateway drug. It'll you know it's it's more addictive than heroin, or it's as addictive as heroin. Well, if you believe that, then when you go and talk to a teenager, telling them that marijuana is more addictive than heroin, they're going to say, "You don't know what you're talking about. This conversation is done." You know, you're, <laughs> you obviously can't relate to me at all, as opposed to somebody that actually knows about marijuana and says, yeah, here's the problems with, here's why you shouldn't smoke. Yes, it's not as addictive as heroin. It's not, a, you know, but, you know, it's not, it's also not healthy. It's also some, like something that, you know, keeps you from living your life the way you should, you know, especially if you're young and all you do is smoke pot. That's the problem. If you can actually have an intelligent conversation about something that people know about, then you're going to do a lot better at 
talking to people, at getting out there and connecting to them than if you just have this, you know, what you've been told happens outside mm -hmm. your community. If you're inside the village and you're told that there's evil outside, then you're never going to be able to talk to anybody out there. Yeah. One thing I really liked that we saw a few months ago was um, Phil Vischer, the creator of Veggie Tales and now oh, yeah. host of the podcast, The Holy Post, um, you know, made a great video about the history of evangelicalism and how it its origins came about in the face of these questions that were being posed to the church, you know, regarding things like science and, and, and really the heart of those who became the evangelical movement was to engage with culture and to really grapple with these things that seemed in opposition to faith, but rather than throw up our guard and access those base instincts of fear and us versus them, it was more of a let's dig into this, yeah. figure it out, go back and forth and really make an educated decision, you know, and and to use some critical thinking and, you know, everything that is different is not necessarily our enemy. And uh, I mean, that is a really basic summary of one small part of the video that he made, which was fantastic. I really encourage people to look it up on YouTube. Um, Phil Fisher. Yeah. But... You know, it is. it was so helpful to really see, like, this is the way that we should be engaging. You know, uh, hundreds of years ago, people didn't understand about, you know, so many scientific things that now we understand as fact. And we can hold those in conjunction with our faith because we've grappled with them. And, and every, a lot of people come to the conclusions in different ways, but these things are still fact, and that's okay. It's not <clears throat> fearful. Yeah, because the fear is, and we talked about this a long time ago when I did the episode on uh, 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 the God's Not Dead, is the fear of going to college. You know, <laughs> when they're telling young people, oh, going to be a lot of people against you, a lot of people trying to destroy you, and there are jerks who just try to, you know, just treat you badly because you know and again you know atheism has become its own religion basically but most people are like oh okay eh, i don't really care <laughs> you know <laughs> you're a christian great you right. know i'll talk to you sunday afternoon because obviously you're busy on sunday morning so <laughs> maybe we'll but most people don't care but the whole fear is if you're exposed to other ideas you're going to be lured by them they're going to try to destroy as if God and the Bible are not that strong an argument, you know? But And it is dangerous, you know? Especially when you're young, you're dumb, you really <laughs> don't know much, and so some, some like, really, you know, slick-talking person might convince you otherwise, but for the most part, you're going to grow from these ideas. And for an example, and again, this is totally personal, I grew up in punk rock, and I grew up listening to Bad Religion. And Bad Religion, if you don't know, they're very much an atheist group. But And they said themselves, we have a lot of Christian fans. We don't know how it happened, mm -hmm. but we do. And a lot of it is because they have really intelligent lyrics arguing not just anti-God, but criticizing the church. And to a point where Christians are like, oh yeah, we should probably fix that. <laughs> but also, the arguments against Christianity 
are really like one thing that I, that I remembered are these lyrics. You can play by the rules or bend them to your knees, but the test isn't over till you reach the dark eternal sleep. There are no absolutes, no big wheel in the sky. You don't have to be first. You just got to somehow get by. Okay. So when it says uh, there are no absolutes, I'm like, oh, that's a really good point. And scientifically, there are no absolutes. And then I thought, well, there are no absolutes. That's an absolute. <laughs> huh. I got to think about that. <laughs> but I mean, it made me think critically. And that's just one example. Uh, the quickest I could think of. But that's an example of like, oh, that's an argument against Christianity. And I just figured it out. So that's something that made my mind expand, you know, and talking to people who think differently made me think, oh, because again, I've been told my whole life, atheists just don't want to believe in something bigger than themselves. Or atheists are just like, you know, they, you know, they're angry at God and talking to atheists, it's like, no, no, that's not it at all. And now I can talk to them. And now they have a Christian in their life. Who they can say, oh, Christians, what a bunch of jerks. I mean, actually, no, this guy's pretty cool. Maybe there are more like him, you know? (laughs) For us to be able to exist inside of a world that, you know, is different than us, it's not just about being able to talk to them, it's existing with them and having them realize, huh, maybe they're not so bad. Maybe they're not all all that I've been told Christians are. You know, it's a really important thing to be able to reach out of your insulated world. And it's, it's, it's something that's really important that, again, if you're trying to grow your organization, your MLM, your <laughs> church, your cult, it's important to cut people, to tell people to cut ties with anybody outside of it, you know? That way, my thing grows bigger mm-hmm. with only the people that will listen to me. Right. Right? But if you're able to listen to people outside of the world, maybe your group won't grow, but everybody, you know, will grow together. If you know what I'm talking about, Christianity in general may grow better, bigger and better if we all understand one another. Right. So going back to us engaging with the world... Yeah, it doesn't just benefit us by making us grapple with things and use critical thinking skills, etc. It also opens up Christianity to the rest of the world. They see that we are there engaging. We want to have conversations. We're not uh, embracing this us versus them and I'm shunning you. Rather, oh, they're open to having conversations and me asking questions and them not having the answers. They're kind of cool about it, you know? And that we really, God, we just need soft hearts, you know? Yeah, and... But again, yeah, and I keep going back to the whole thing that, like, love and, you know, works a lot better. Loving people that you disagree with works a lot better than hate and anger. And if they hate you, then the response is obviously can't be, all right, then I hate you back. Or tell everybody, hey, guess what? They hate us. They're our enemy. It has to be to love them. And to accept them. And then other people are going to be like, hey, have you seen these guys? That They're actually really cool. They're actually pretty awesome. And 
as opposed to this, you know, infighting that happens not just from Christians to the people on the outside of Christianity, within Christianity, there's so much infighting. It's true. Because, you know, again, it's fear and anger and hatred, which are so easily accessible. Yeah. That you, you know, I mean, oh boy, just the stuff that you see online, it's really crazy. It's really insane and sad that Christians have lost, you know, family members and friends and, you know, the churches over politics, over, yeah. you know, opinions on very clear matters. Right. And so, yeah, it's it, it's hard not to feel that this is very cult-like. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Which is, again, the, the connection that we're making here with the MLMs and Christianity and cults it's it's yeah it 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 amazes me how many people in churches can just fall into the cult-like thing you know the praising and you know what is that praising you and then breaking you down Mm -hmm. you know that whole thing and you know a tier systems where you you know if you I i don't know it's it's really interesting to see how that how that's all used in churches. And again, inadvertently, not on purpose. Nobody joins a, and you know, we've heard that before. Nobody joins a cult knowing that it's a cult. Right. And I don't think people would start a cult wanting to start a cult, you know? It's just something that you fall into because it's so attractive to so many people listen to me. Mm -hmm. I have this whole church on my shoulders that I have to carry. I must be pretty important. I must be pretty great and and again when more money starts pouring in when more people start coming in it becomes it ah, it it becomes really easy to lose the wheels to have the wheels fall off and just Mm -hmm. fall into this trap yeah yeah and i mean on the other side uh people who end up joining something that is detrimental so too they people don't join a cult they join some community that has appeal and the further you get into it we live in a hectic world with so much uh input coming at you every day so many decisions to be made so many things to consider all at once it's chaos especially if you just read the news you'll your head will practically explode and so just like it's easy for us to access our base instincts and our base, you know, emotions, fear, anger, etc. It's also really easy to fall into the comfort of having somebody make decisions for you. So because there's so much coming at us every day, if somebody that you have learned to trust tells you that those people are bad, well, that's a decision made. Yeah. You know, that's one less thing that I have to grapple with when I know that there's so much I need to grapple with in this world. That person has done the critical thinking part of it and I Mm -hmm. trust them. So cool. Those people are bad. Moving on to the next thing. And so it's very easy to just let go of critical thinking because it is hard. It's hard work. 
And so, and the more you do that, the you know, you believe that person, that thing that that person said, now you trust them even more. They say something else. Those other people are bad. You, you just start to really get ingrained in that and you start to trust them implicitly. And yeah, it's, it's very easy uh, to go that route without realizing it. Yeah. And it, the, the whole thing about us versus them thing, it's just easier, right? Like racism is really easy because I'm losing my job. I don't have a lot of money. Things seemed better back in the day, you know. Well, what's what's causing this problem? Well, it's a lot of systematic issues. <laughs> See, this thing happened with the economy, and then these corporations are blah, 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 and then these people believe this and blah, 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 as opposed to it's their fault. Mm-hmm. That group over there, it's their fault. Yeah. Oh, that's, e- that's a relief. It's easy. <laughs> that's easy, you know. Just go after them. Right. And I think that a lot of... And this whole us versus them keeps making me think about my theory on why end times theology the thing. Should I get into that a little bit? It's up to you. Okay. That existentialism is a thing that happens to a lot of men. And and a lot of women probably too. I just, I'm a man and it's become more of an outspoken thing in in the male world where a man realizes... My life is meaningless. Everything I do is meaningless. I just live in this hamster wheel, goes round and round and round, and I am accomplishing nothing. And I will one day die, and I will be forgotten. Nothing I do matters. Everything is meaningless. And it's really strange. And I have actually avoided that by reading Ecclesiastes, that yes, everything does, there is no meaning to life. Life is meaningless, which is wonderful because that means that I am the center of the universe now. The person in front of me is the most important person and everything becomes the meaning of life because nothing is the meaning of life. What Ecclesiastes taught me is that enjoy life, love life. This is the gift that God has given you. Today is the day the Lord has made. You know, this is what's wonderful about it is enjoying the life that God has given you now. In Christianity, you can avoid that existential, you know, fear or that existential depression by believing, oh, it's not that my life is meaningless. It's that I am a huge part in the story in God's plan, you know, because we read, the, the, you know, the book, the Bible about David and Moses and Paul and Peter. They were huge figures in Christianity. I'm one of them. I am living in the end times. You know, if we live in the end times, then it's not just, oh, life sucks. You know, people are, are uh, disagree with me and that's okay. You know, being born, living a happy life and dying seems kind of boring. I think it's wonderful, but it's kind of boring. But if the gay agenda is a thing, then it's not just, oh, gays are against me. They're against God, and this is the end times, and I'm going to be a part of God's plan. Now, all of a sudden, my life has meaning and purpose because I am a vessel in God's plan. And I think that that's why all of this stuff becomes more, you know, attractive because I am a persecution is so cool to be a part of. Because I 
and fighting for something bigger than me as opposed to nobody really cares you know nobody's against you <laughs> you know we saw him Saturday Night Live the <laughs> guy named Brandon he's like oh nobody's cheering for me I just heard everybody saying go Brandon I thought they were talking about me is nobody talking about me <laughs> and that's such a depressing idea that yeah nobody cares and you know which is should be a wonderful thing that oh my life is actually pretty great you know i'm not being persecuted god has blessed me in this wonderful life i have a family i get to go to church you know freely right. and then go to then go to red robin and have a <laughs> burger and pray with my family this is a wonderful life it's also kind of boring because what am I going to do? I'm going to live my life, die, and then be forgotten. And none of my life will will matter, will amount to anything. Of course, in Christianity, it absolutely does because God loves you and gave you this gift. But that's kind of boring. So I think my theory is that people create these persecution stories to give their life meaning so that they can be a Paul. They can be a Peter. They can be an instrument in God's plan to fight against the Antichrist, which is running, you know, the gay agenda, liberalism, feminism, which is trying to destroy America and, my, and our country and Christianity. And I am fighting back against it because I'm a part of the end times. Right. As opposed to, no, probably not. Life is kind of just... Because, again, yes, we read those stories, but we don't read about all the people that lived in the, you know, were part of the church that just, you know, kind of were born, followed God's plan, were happy, and then died. Those stories aren't told in the Bible, but they existed, and they right. were happy right. to be part of God's plan of just living a normal life and then dying and then, you know, joining God's legion yeah. of, you know, happy people, happy followers. Yeah. So I, it's my, kind of my theory of why it's so attractive to be, you know, it's so easy to be enticed by this cult-like, you know, us versus them, you know, end times theology thing that, you know, it, it, it all... The really, human the, need for significance. A human need for significance right. because eh, if gay people aren't trying to destroy me, then what am I doing this for, <laughs> you yeah. know, and... Uh, I don't know. It's a theory, yeah. but I think it's pretty solid. Yeah. I think it could be supported by, again, looking at the MLMs, you know, and these conferences that herald the people at the top, bring them on stage, or the the people who do really well and have massive followings on social media, you know. Everyone who's looking at these people think, wow, and then they realize, I just said wow about these people. They have such significance. I want that kind of significance. I yeah. want people to look at me and say, wow. And, you know, it's intoxicating, that desire for significance. Which is why now social media is so important, right? Right. Because, oh, they're getting those clicks. They're Everyone, getting those likes. yeah, has a chance yeah. to be significant. And I could be one of those people. Right. And I may not be there yet, but if I pretend, uh -huh. people are going to look at me like I'm yeah. one of those important people. Right. And that becomes more enticing. Absolutely. Wow. It all makes sense. <laughs> well, it doesn't make sense because none of it works, but <laughs> it all makes sense why people want to be a part of it. Right. 
and again, the reason that this works, and this is why it's most the most disgusting thing, is it preys on the most vulnerable. And it preys, it has to, because those are the people who want to succeed the most. Mm-hmm. You know, they were promised mm-hmm. the American dream. And I will, and I can start, you're telling me I can start a business. I can be rich. Yeah. And I just have to pour a lot of money into it. And, you know. Right. Ugh. And they lose, ev- they, they don't have much. And then they lose that. Right. It's such an, oh. So, yeah. Eh. Any other stories of your MLM ventures? <laughs> oh, I've got plenty. Uh, yeah, I've gone to so many um, parties, you know. They're all called, called parties. Um, I remember in college I went to one called Leah Sophia. It was jewelry. And, uh, you know, the, she set up all the jewelry on display and we could, you know, try it on. And there was catalogs. So we could see even more jewelry and... Um, it's amazing. I actually don't know if I was ever, I think there was a Mary Kay party where someone tried to get me to sell it, which I thought was hilarious because I was, I was like 20 years old. I had terrible acne. Um, and I was just like, you do not want me trying to sell Mary Kay. (laughs) This is not the face of Mary Kay. (laughs) Um, no, but I mean, it was funny and, and I was this shy, you know, I'm, I'm pretty reserved, you know, like you said, I make a terrible salesperson. Yeah, me too. And, but these MLMs, they love the rhetoric of like, you don't need to be a salesperson. The, The product sells itself or, um, you know, we're not in the such and such business. We're in the people business. Yeah. You know, they tell you, reach out to your friends. You know, that's who you can sell to. Reach out to your friends. You don't have to be a salesperson to sell to your friends. So many different tactics to try to get you in. Um, but I think that Mary Kay is the only one where I was really um, actively recruited. Um, and, uh, but yeah, there were so many that I went to. Pampered Chef, that's a big one. Um, essential oils. Um, and let me ask, are yeah. these actually good products? Because when it comes to LuLaRoe, at least I know we saw the documentary that they started like smelling like <laughs> like dead rats and, <laughs> and they started coming in all torn right. and the designs were really right. terrible. But at first, they seemed like they were really good leggings, which is why they succeeded. Yeah. But when it comes to like herbal life or the, you know, the, the essential oils... Uh, the health products, the shakes and stuff, are they, uh, Mary Kay, are they actually good products? I think it's a mixed bag, to be honest. Um, I think that there's certainly um, companies out there whose product is pretty subpar, especially a lot of these nutrient ones. A lot of them produce things that don't need to be regulated by the FDA. So then independent science has kind of shown that they're you know largely sugar or water or whatever yeah um they're not really that great for you um but there are companies that have something quality tupperware is a fantastic product i will say freely and um i guess you know depending on every woman is different so every woman has their skin product or products and so i'm sure i've heard good things about mary Kay. um I think a lot of MLMs have their golden product, 
the thing that attracts people and that they yeah. use as the number one sales tactic. Mm-hmm. And then the other stuff is kind of, eh, it's not great, but get them in with this, you know? Yeah. So I think it's a mixed bag. Um, but for everything that's available through an MLM, you can find substitutes yeah. in the marketplace on Amazon, you know, in a store, find get your supplements at Whole Foods or somewhere, you know, like at least you have better odds of having something that's been reviewed, you know? Yeah. Um, and then you're not supporting an MLM. Yeah. Cause I had a friend who like, uh, want another friend who wanted me to uh, be a part of not join, but of course, if I joined, then these products would be much cheaper, you know, <laughs> if I bought them. But they're like trying to sell me these products and they, they have laundry. They're all organic, you know, all good for the environment. Uh, toothpaste and toothbrushes and uh, deodorant and detergent and, uh, you know, uh, paper towels. And I'm like, okay, I live at home still, uh, but I, you know, I pay rent and, uh, you know, I'm trying to defend myself. I, I didn't make a lot of money. Come on, guys. Uh, get off my back. Uh, mm-hmm. But, oh, I actually could use tooth, and especially if it helps my friend, I'll buy the toothpaste and the deodorant, because I'm buying it off of Amazon anyway, I might as well buy it off of you, it's a little more money than I'd like, but, you know, if it helps a friend, and they're like, okay, but if you buy this much, if you, each product has a number, a point system, so if you get to this amount of points, then it all becomes cheaper, like, okay, but I don't have... You know, like, oh, try buying detergent. Like, well, my mom buys the detergent. I don't really need that. Like, oh, well, then ask her if she'll buy it. I'm like, I'll talk to her about it. Like, how about vitamins then? Try to get yourself up to this, you know, point. And I'm like, I don't know if I can do that. Because that's a monthly thing that I have to buy. Because, again, I'm not even a part of the MLM. But if I want the, the, uh, the discount, I have to buy monthly and I don't need that much toothpaste or, you know, I don't have a family, so I'm not going to use that much, much toothpaste or, you know, so how am I going to make, you know, how, how is this going to be good for me? And I'm trying to help my friend, but it becomes really difficult to, and I, I'm wondering, like, is there a way where you could actually buy the product just because you like the product? But that doesn't seem to be a thing. Yeah, it's really hard to do from a business structure such as an MLM, just because of all the tactics that we've you know talked about and the frankly the money grab that they're making, and yeah, I mean you talked about all these different things are available from this company at a slightly higher price you'd like to pay, you know, but I buy a different brand of everything in the store. You know, some stuff you have product loyalty on, some stuff you want, you know, the cheapest price because it doesn't matter. You need the variety that you can get by shopping in the marketplace. You don't want to be honed in on this one brand and and beholden to them. And, you know, it's interesting you, you mentioned, you know, I want to support my friend. I think that's a really important thing to point out, especially as we talk about, you know, affinity fraud and the the. A tendency for MLMs to thrive in the Christian market, in the, you know, in the church, in the Christian circles, is how do you engage with this? How do you, you know, kind of put your foot down and say, I don't think that this business is a good one, but my friend is involved and I don't want to endanger the relationship. Yeah. That's a really hard or line you want to, them to succeed. Tread. Right. You know, if and you don't so, know that it's a bad system, you right. want them to succeed. Right. 
And so, I mean, you mentioned I want to support my friend. It's, you know, man, take your friends out for lunch, you know, because give them the money, you know, rather than supporting this business. I think it's really important that we kind of learn how to draw the boundary and Mm -hmm. say, you know what, if that's the business you want to do, that's fine. I don't have interest in supporting that business, that particular brand, you know, I don't believe in their business structure. I don't think it's good, but I, you know, I'm not going to, you know, say anything negative to you. You can do your business, but I'm not going to engage with it. I'd love to take you to lunch. That's how I can support you. Yeah. You know, that sort of thing. Um, It's hard. It is hard. I will say that. Um, It's very easy, especially as, uh, I mean, you know, I mentioned most, the, the majority of MLM retailers are women. And I think that that is definitely, that's not a coincidence. A lot of it has to do with these quote unquote parties yeah. that are held to sell because women are so social and it's very hard to say no. Um, you know, every one of us has gone, what's the harm? I'll just go to this party. You know, I'll buy a $5 product, but you know, even that it's then they're going to ask for the next thing and the next thing. And it's, it's really difficult. Yeah. And again, and that's kind of the, the something that I've been like realizing because you mentioned it before, it targets a lot of women. Mm-hmm. I'm here talking about how the church could be a cult and you're absolutely on board with that. And you, you've seen it yourself, but you're talking about it, you know, the MLM thing, because it is a thing for women. Like they target a lot of women because again, I think that, you know, as a society, we're trying, you know, women are kind of trying to make their way into the marketplace, trying to make, you know, money and job to support their family, to help their husband, you know. And again, in a lot of that language even adds to that, right? Being, helping oh, yeah. your husband. Oh, absolutely. You know? They target, you know, linguistically the women because... <sighs> I won't go on my tangent about the patriarchy, (laughs) the gender wage gap, etc. But there are, you know, a larger number of women who are at home with the kids, who feel like they're not making a difference in their family's finances because they could have a job, but the cost of childcare, I'm going on the tangent anyways, the cost of childcare is nearly what they bring home anyways, so they may as well be home with their kids rather than paying, giving all of their pay to somebody else to stay home with their kids, right? right? So now they're at home, they don't work anymore, and they feel like they're not productive, although obviously raising a child is phenomenally productive, but if you're not talking to an adult all day, you really start to lose your own significance. And so these MLMs swoop in with this fantastic language about, you know, hey, do you want to make some money for your family? Do you want to still stay with your kids? Yeah. So definitely targeted there. Yeah. And so now, and like now that the documentary is coming to an end, it says that in 2016, uh, the uh, the government charged uh, Herbalife because the Federal Trade Commission charged Herbalife f- on four counts of unfair, you know, uh, business practices, and it becomes really difficult for even the government to call them a pyramid scheme. Uh, and we saw a funny thing on um, 
on uh, John Oliver, which is a great document. If you want to see a good, like, little quick documentary on MLMs, John Oliver, which has some saucy language and saucy topics, but do uh, a John look for John Oliver MLM on YouTube, and it's a great little twenty minute very good twenty minute explanation on the dangers of MLMs. But they talk to somebody in the Federal Trade Commission, and they ask them, "Are they a pyramid scheme?" He's like, well, we wouldn't go so far as to call them that. He's like. Uh, so what doesn't make them a pyramid scheme? And like, actually, they qualify in all accounts to be considered a pyramid scheme. You're like, but they're not a pyramid scheme. You're like, not as far as we can tell. <laughs> so they're actually saying they're a pyramid scheme, but we're not going to call them a pyramid scheme because they they go they 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 uh, how do you call it? They they flip backwards. They they do everything they can to bend over to they bend over backwards to legally follow the standard of what a business can do to not call the to not fall into the you know the illeg- illegality of a pyramid scheme and so the government has a really difficult time prosecuting them as a pyramid scheme and again because they make so much money they just make money they just make you know pay lawyer after lawyer after lawyer to make sure that no we're a legitimate business we sell product we don't make money by recruiting people, we make money by selling product. Look at how much stuff is being bought by the people that they're recruiting. Right. You know, so they kind of stay right on the line of yeah. being illegal. And anybody can clearly see that what they're doing is illegal. But legally speaking, in the court of law, they have a really difficult time of prosecuting them. Right. So. Yeah, there's there's a lot of money in this industry. Uh ensuring that the industry lives on yeah so absolutely uh squirrely (laughs) yeah so and it becomes but that's kind of the thing is that i love that the 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 show that we saw it's a fictional show but it's about mlms when they were said not everybody can be a millionaire right like it's just it sucks but if you really want to be a millionaire and then but you have to recruit people to do it it becomes really hard because you really want to make it. You yeah. really want to be successful. Yeah. And, yeah, so the movie's come to an end. Uh, yeah, I don't think we talked about the movie at all. We did but, at the beginning. We talked, you know, we talked about you know, how Herbalife targeted the immigrant group. Yeah. Um, hopefully everyone gets a chance to actually watch this without us talking over it. Right. Um, because it really is insightful um, and... You can really see it is one prime example of why MLMs are shady. Yeah, um, and it's a really good picture of that. Right, and so a lot of I know a lot of people have been watching these documentaries, but if you want to watch a four-part documentary on a Lula Row, it's a Lula Rich, mm-hmm. which shows what how it started pretty legitimately, right. how it kind of got really bad. And how it, you know, is now clearly a toxic system and how people are still in the, after seeing everything, they're like, no, no, it's still a good company. We're Mm -hmm. still part of it and we're still selling. So that's a thing. That's on Amazon. That's on Amazon. Mm -hmm. Uh, This one, you know, as I mentioned before, you can rent it on uh, on Amazon or on Apple. And then the 20 minute uh, document, the little uh, segment on that all of John Oliver did. And also, um, a, a really good deep dive is season one of the Dream podcast. Yeah, uh, really digs in um, and explores. Even actually sends uh, one of the 
one of the people working on the staff actually joins an MLM, gets an inside look, goes to a conference. Like purposely knowing that mm-hmm. it's a problem, but yeah. wants to see what it's like to be. Yeah. And really, really interesting. So I highly recommend that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there you go. Uh, anything else you wanted to add? I think we talked a lot about. Yeah. You know. We covered a lot. <laughs> so. To be clear churches are <laughs> yeah. churches are not cults churches are good however there is a danger and a tendency there can be yeah. problematic uh church leaders um and then also mlms can really thrive in the church environment and can be you know financially and emotionally detrimental to people so something to watch out for yeah so there you go i uh, hope you guys uh, enjoyed the show Thank you for coming. Remember, uh, follow us on uh, Facebook at facebook.com slash thecommentarians, uh, instagram.com slash commentarians, uh, twitter.com slash commentarians, uh, ravencreeksc.com slash thecommentarians. Uh, thank you guys for listening. And thank you, Katie, for being on the show again. Thank you for having me. That was really fun to talk through. Yeah. So uh, if you have any thoughts or you know if you disagree with us or if you were very angry at how uh, you know i went after the church please let me know uh, i hope i wasn't too harsh but uh, again i'm a christian and we're christians and we go to church and we love church but uh it doesn't mean that there's you know it's immune from problems so thank you guys for listening see you at the movies next time i don't know how to finish these i feel like i should have a phrase of like you know siskel and ebert and See it, the movies is perfect. Why didn't you end it there? Oh, and because we just left the movies. We just finished the movie. Next time, we said next time. See at the movies next time. Yeah, see you at the movies next time. I'll buy the popcorn. You buy the 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 what what is the the licorice? Is that licorice? The vine, red vines. You, the soda. You send it There's right off the package. rails every the, time. If you buy like three products, you get a cheap. Uh, never mind. Bye, guys. Bye. <laughs> You've been listening to The Commentarians Podcast, a Raven Creek Social Club production. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you like what you heard, please leave us a review on iTunes. If you'd like to support our show, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash thecommentarians. Thank you for listening, and until next time, remember, movies are a reflection of our lives and of other people's lives, and we get to experience them together. Come back to the movies with us. We love sharing them with you.